All right, welcome back to this week's Walk and Talk then. We've got a beautiful walk for you today, uh, just stunning. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of stuff today, a lot of crazy stuff as usual. Uh, we're going to start with Zelensky's latest comments. Wow, just wow. You've probably seen this um, in the media this week about sending the USA needs to send their sons and daughters and all this. I'm going to put that into context for you. Talk about that. We're going to talk about everything from the economy to finance to Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock's text messages have been released. Oh man, that is a that is an interesting one. We've had another train crash. Well, in fact, we've had four train crashes. We've had a train crash in Greece now. It's killed, I think, 57 people. There is a lot to get into. So let's get started then with uh, Zelensky's comments and then we'll go through everything else because there is a lot to cover today. So what did he say then? You've seen it in all the media that he said this, and I'll, t- and I'll correct this, and it said the US will have to send their sons and daughters to fight for Ukraine. And then it went on to say that they will die on the battlefield and all this sort of stuff. So I think it's been taken a little bit out of context. So I'm just going to put the correct context with it. But yes, he did sort of say that. So here we go. He said the US is never going to give up on the NATO states, the NATO member states. So that's the first part he said. So what he's referring to there is that the US is just hell bent on fighting with NATO no matter what happens, regardless of the circumstances. So that was the first part of the context. He then says, and if Russia wins this war, the US is going to have to send their sons and daughters to defend the Baltic states and they will have to fight and they will be dying. So that was the full, well, there was a lot more to it than that, but I just wanted to give you the shorter uh, summarised version of what he said, because there's a lot of people at the moment completely freaking out about this. I saw these, I saw this stuff on Twitter about Americans are leaving the country and they're crossing into Mexico and just all this crazy stuff because people are, are afraid that because of those comments that there's going to be some sort of a call up and or, you know, everyone's going to have to go to war. But let me tell you one thing that wasn't mentioned on there. What did he say? Sons and daughters. Yes, he didn't say like previous wars that the men will go off to fight. No, no. All the talk and all the rhetoric and everything else you're hearing at the moment is saying that it's going to be sons and daughters. Look at this here. Beautiful. Beautiful here. So I wonder now how people feel about this. I wonder how a lot of the the women feel about this, especially if you're a younger woman watching this show, which is probably not many, (laughs) but there we go. I'd love to know your thoughts on if you are really happy to get on the front line and go to war and and fight just like a man. Um, That would be interesting to see those comments. The other thing that is not getting a lot of media attention, but another statement that Zelensky made in, I think it was this week, it might have been last week, but he said, now is not the time for cowardice and that fighter jets are needed. So he's basically, I think, referring to the UK and the fact that, I think it's Ben Wallace, the defence secretary, said that, So basically three weeks ago, they were reviewing the position. Boris Johnson, massive globalist, as you know, was trying to put pressure on Rishi Sunak. So was Liz Truss, both of them WEF members, trying to put pressure onto Rishi Sunak to send 
fighter jets to Ukraine. So Rishi did a speech just last week in, I think it was in Belgium or it might have been in, in Germany at the defense conference. That's worth watching that speech because he really, he basically declared war on, on Russia. There's no other way to watch that speech and not come up with that conclusion. He basically declared war and he talked about sending fighter jets and he said, we're proud we were the first country. Just this year, we became the first country in the world to provide tanks to Ukraine and the first to train pilots and Marines. We gave £2.3 billion last year and we will match or exceed that in 2023. So now is the moment to double down on our military support. Together, we're delivering as much equipment in the next few months as in the whole of 2022. To send tanks and, we're gonna, and we won't stop until Russia's defeated and all this. I don't know if he realises the size of the British army anymore. Yes, there's very advanced weaponry and uh, very highly trained military. As you know, I was in the British army for 10 10 years very very good military good army very good soldiers and very good equipment in the most parts like all armies there's you know shortages and, and things like that but for him to try and make out as if that the uk is just going to go to war and can defeat russia and things like that is absolutely ridiculous we are marching towards the most important victory of our lifetime. Um, that would just never happen in a million years, no matter how good the, the, the army is. And that's why the United Kingdom will be the first country to provide Ukraine with longer range weapons. But we must also train Ukrainian pilots to use the most advanced jets. And that's exactly what Britain is doing so that Ukraine has the capability to defend its security for the long term. So they did a review anyway, and it's been going on for the last sort of two to three weeks now. And I am pleased to say that Ben Wallace, the Secretary of Defence, has reviewed it and said that then we're not going to be sending fighter jets to Ukraine. But then it says <laughs> at the moment, and if you start reading lower down, this is where it's not good. So he basically says that the Ukrainian um, fighter pilots are not ready yet to receive UK fighter jets. But once they are, then it's likely that we'll be sending um, squadrons of fighter jets to Ukraine for them to use. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Because this is what I was talking about. And I said, this is phase one. Got a nice sea view here behind. I said phase one will end with the fighter jets and the long range weapons. So that is basically where we're at now. We've done the long range weapons. We're now going to do the, the fighter jets very shortly. I think it will happen. Just you think how long it takes to train a fighter jet pilot. Mm, look at these beautiful flowers here. All the cherry blossoms are about to come out. See, they're all starting to bloom. So that'll be the end of phase one. And then we'll move into phase two, which is where you start putting support troops on the ground. So these are troops that are British, they're US, they're NATO. And they are there to support the fighter pilots and things like that. So what they'll say is this is a supporting role and that, you know, we're not at war. We're just there to support and things like that. But it's only a matter of time until either a British soldier, American soldier, or NATO soldier is killed, or there'll be some sort of false flag event. And then they'll say, oh, you know, they'll put it in all the newspapers, all the news that, um, you know, 
some something to do with it. a Russian soldier killed a NATO soldier and you know there'll be a big story about this soldier and how this soldier was you know a fighter for freedom and rights and you know inequality equality and all this sort of stuff they'll make a massive deal about it and next thing you know they'll get the public on board right we need to send troops now and this is how it's all going to escalate that is phase two and phase three is pretty much full-scale warfare um so not good not good but that's how i see this sort of playing out at the moment anyway now let's move over to finance and stuff so i just talked about the defaults last week and the week before of these huge now huge defaults of a lot of um, funds so hedge funds uh, which includes pension funds massive massive defaults so blackstone um, we know blackrock so blackstone as well defaults of 562 million dollars um, on property-backed CMBS. So Blackstone, 71 billion unlisted real estate income trust. So this is basically their REIT. It's B-R-E-I-T. That's the, the Blackstone REIT. Is still not allowing withdrawals for four. This is the fourth month, bearing in mind. And you've got to ask the question, why is that? Why are they not allowing withdrawals from their REIT? Why are a lot of these other companies, a lot of these other funds not allowing withdrawals? Why are at the moment they pushing this big thing? Oh, get a four percent. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll lock you in. We'll give you four percent if you just stay into our fund for six months, etc. They're trying to raise money so they can start to do payouts, hoping that things are going to get better later on. It's not going to get better later on. This is going to worsen. It is going to deteriorate. This is not looking good. Even in the UK now, we've got a warning from one bank. So that's Metro Bank, if you are with Metro Bank, that they are putting aside a lot of money for um, what they're calling defaults and bad debt. And it was, gosh, it wasn't even long ago that I talked about this. And I said, how do banks make their money? They make loans. What do you think is going to happen when all these mortgages go bad? We're going to come on to property in a minute and housing. What do you think is going to happen when all these loans and credit cards and everything else goes bad? You really think you're going to be able to get your money out of the bank when money has been loaned out in such... That's how they make profit. Such large numbers. I just don't see it at all. I just don't see people getting their, their money out at all. So they're doing that now just to give you confidence a lot of these banks are trying to just give you confidence at the moment that they're not going to collapse but uh, let's just wait and see what happens shall we we've just had Nordstrom as well so retailer announcing they're going to close I think it's 13 yeah 13 stores in Canada and they're going to cut 2,500 jobs now so even more jobs going so it's not just white collar and things like that. You're also seeing retail. You're seeing a lot of these jobs continuing to go. But yeah, if you listen to you know, people like Biden or Sunak or some of these other people, we, we've got the greatest economy we've ever seen. This economy is incredible. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favorite podcast app, or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, 
This is how traders excel. Oh, jobs are amazing. I added the most jobs from any president in US history. The economy is the strongest ever. Yeah, okay, Biden, of course it is. What, you mean those jobs that people went on furlough and things like that, and then they just came back to work? Oh yeah, you can, you can take credit for that. Now I'm seeing everyone seems to be an expert at the moment on the stock market. It's, it's unbelievable. Even these people that have got it wrong for three years straight are still being asked. But I saw the most unbelievable one today. There was this analysis done between Facebook and Google, and then they did one between Microsoft and Apple and all this. And I was like, what are these people talking about? They're just looking at the, the numbers. And usually I'd say that's right, but you can't just look at the numbers when it comes to stock picks. There's a lot more you have to actually look at and review. And at the bottom, I saw, so this was, you know, a proper finance company. It said intern, 20 years old. The other one was from a 22-year-old. And seriously, they got it completely wrong on this analysis. And it just made me think, how many people are now going to follow that? So let me give you an example. They were talking about Meta, which is Facebook. And they were, t they were giving it a really strong buy signal. And the reason they were giving it a really strong buy signal, and by the way, I'm not saying there isn't a strong buy. I think it's a really, really strong long-term company, but, the, but I don't like the company. Let me just say that. But the reason they gave it a strong buy made absolutely no sense at all. So it's weird seeing all this stuff. And by the way, especially it's the start of the month. If you have been waiting for payday or whatever to take my finance and stock market course, the link is below in the description. You will see the discount code there as well. So you can get it for a, a very low, affordable price. There's even a payment plan. So if you invest in the stock market or you've got pensions or anything like that, it's a no-brainer. It, it, it doesn't make sense not to take that course, especially if you know me quite well and you know my analysis and you've seen my forecasts, then it makes perfect sense. Wow, look at this view here behind me. Here we go. We've just walked down to the ocean here. And then the other thing is the interview with uh, Dr. Chris Martin and the Patreon. In that Patreon, you can actually see all of my investments. You can see everything I've invested in. You can see the correct ones and you can see the mistakes that I've made over the last, well, going back a few years now. And as I always say, I will make the odd mistake. I give myself about a 5 to 10% error ratio and I have been about, I don't know, 4 or 5% off this year and last year. So that's all you need to do. Don't always focus on being 100% right because if you focus on that, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Just aim to get 9 out of 10 right. Invest for the long term. Hold these things for the long term protect your money, buy what you need to to protect your money. You know what I'm talking about here. Things like gold and silver, uh, physical preferably if you, if you can. On to housing now then. So let's talk about US housing and let's talk about UK housing. And let's see if we can go for a, a walk. Uh, it's just started raining. So let's see how the camera gets on uh, with this rain. Because sometimes people say, Oh, why, why, why did you not do your video when it was raining? I thought you were tough. Yeah, well, cameras aren't tough. <laughs> cameras are not tough at all. A little bit of rain and uh, they get ruined, absolutely destroyed. So actually, let's go this way. So let's start with the homes then, U US and UK homes. And if you haven't watched my video from three years ago where you know, I taught, it's the number one video on the channel. Definitely check that out because it will explain a lot of the things that are going on right now. And the really important one, actually, is inventory. 
and this is absolutely crucial, absolute key, is inventory. And guess what's just flipped in the UK? Inventory started to flip and this is the perfect storm. I said, you know, even with these rates going up, yeah, you're going to see house prices coming down, but it's not going to be anything, you know, crazy, the house prices coming down. But once inventory starts to go up, that's when there's going to be a problem. Well, guess what's just happened? Guess what's just been announced? Inventory went up by 2% last month. And agents are saying that they're, or brokers, if you're in the US, are saying that there's a lot of interest in people putting their houses on the market because the sentiment is there's a big crash coming. Now, if you remember, I said somewhere between 8 to 10% for this year, I see for the USA, somewhere around that. I mean, that would be a conservative forecast, 8 to 10% uh, or even 5 to 10%. But worst case, you could see 20%. Same with the UK, 5 to 8 to 10%. But you could see 20% there. You could even see if there was a massive collapse in jobs, you could see a 25% drop this year. So let me read out the headlines anyway. Uh, so US home prices fall at the worst rate since 2012. U.S. mortgage demand at a 28-year low. 6.65% is your 30-year rate. And over in the U.K. then, I just want to show you this chart on screen. Now, as you're looking at this chart, just notice 2008 there. Can you see any sort of pattern emerging? I think it's still a little bit too early to say at this stage. But I think we may just be seeing a pattern emerging there. Now, the other thing that I was watching this week made me, just made me laugh. You know, it's one of those moments where I said, oh, seriously, is this, is this a joke? They had these economists on, housing market experts, and they were saying that oh, this is very different to the last recession, where before it was a lot of the smaller houses that were listed straight away and landlords were listed and things like that. But this time around, they're saying that a lot of the houses that are coming to market are big houses, like really, really large houses. And they said, why do, you, why do you think that is? And, you know, these guys, well, there was two men and a woman, and they were just, they, they, they just didn't really know. They had all these theories. Well, it could be this, it could be that. Oh, some of the higher paying jobs, you know, people have lost their jobs and, and things like that. And I was thinking, surely, surely this is an obvious answer. I mean, they must be about to say this. It, Nope, no, nope, they didn't say it. The most obvious answer they could have said was energy prices. <laughs> How much does it cost to heat a big house versus a small house? A lot of people were probably thinking of downsizing. Kids have flown the nest and things like that. But did they say that? No, they came out with all these really weird, complicated reasons. When a lot of the time, all of this is very, very simple. All of this, stock market. Okay, I'm not going to say I can forecast it because... Almost no one can forecast the stock market. It's very volatile. It's very complicated. But you can get a good idea of what's going to move. Like when I said the Nasdaq will come down hard. Tech stocks will come down hard. Biotech and all this other will come down hard. That was pretty easy to get that forecast right. Then when I said people will jump over to growth stocks. Again, that was pretty easy to, to get that right. And I think in a few years, people will jump back to biotech and tech stocks and anything around innovation. Again, I don't think that's too hard because where, what happens, the money moves from place to place wherever you can get the most investment back. Now, let's change tracks a little bit here because I just want to mention one thing that was interesting. 
talking about uh, food and growing food and well we've been talking about it for a long time but I just saw an article that said that seeds are just exploding in terms of price and demand. So in the UK, everyone and his, every man and his dog, as they say, is out buying seeds right now. And all the garden centers and the seed shops and online shops and all that, and the supermarkets, they're all sold out and no one can get seeds and, and all this sort of stuff. And I thought that was pretty funny because it's just typical. No one ever prepares. And then at the last second, everyone rushes out and buys what they need. Like the toilet paper and, you know, meat and eggs and everything else. It's just so typical to see it. So let me give you a little tip. Don't buy those seeds from the supermarket and these other places. You need to buy heirloom seeds. And then you, what you want to do then is once you've got, had your crop, you want to save those seeds from your crop. And you've got to store them properly as well. I speak to this guy, oh yeah, I've got all these seeds, Neil, got all these seeds. And he's just got them in a random little pot, not even labelled properly or anything. And it's been in the, the heat of the summer, and then it was in the freezing cold of the winter. And I thought, okay, he just doesn't seem to know about storing seeds um, properly here. But uh, anyway, another story then from Argentina. There was a um, power cut on Wednesday. So half the population, I think it was 20 million people, had no power on Wednesday. What did the authorities say it was caused by? And here's where I raised my eyebrow to this one. They said it was sabotage and that someone burned down a power line. And I was thinking, hold on, someone burned down a power line and that caused half the country, 20 million people, to lose power. If you work in that industry, please drop a comment below and let me know if that is possible. Because I don't, I don't know anything about power lines and stuff like that. But that sounds to me absolutely ridiculous. As if I could just go down and let's just say I just cut through a power line in the street. And all of a sudden, all the power to half the country would just stop. I don't know. I'm not buying this story. It smells like a BS to me. But uh, drop a comment below. And the UK is bracing for another massive storm next week, apparently. I find that unusual since we're just getting into the nice weather here and all the trees are blooming. I found oh, on my uh, property that I, I keep mentioning that I bought, the trees have just started blooming. Oh my goodness, stunning. Got all these white flowers and pink flowers and all this. And that's why I'm waiting at the moment before I actually do anything on the plants and the trees and the bushes and things like that because I don't know what's alive, what's dead. I'm not a tree expert or anything like that. So I'm just waiting at the moment, but oh my goodness, absolutely stunning. Talking of stunning, Pakistan, Pakistan. I know most of you are like, why do you keep talking about Pakistan, Neil? We're not from Pakistan, I know, but you, you, need, to, you need to hear these things because it correlates to a lot of the stuff that could happen in the West. So. Remember the forecasts on Pakistan and I talked about it again when I was in Thailand, I was in Bangkok and I said, this is what's coming, etc, etc. Well, Pakistan has just raised their rate, their base rate to a 25 year high. Their interest rate now, you think we've got it bad. Theirs is 20%, 20% interest rate. And now they're screwed because they've just took a $6.5 billion IMF loan. The worst thing any country can ever do because now you are debt slaves to the international mafia fund so they're, they're pretty much screwed 
Same with some of these other countries that took these massive IMF loans. They're completely screwed. And guess what? Their inflation rate is now 31% as well. So high interest rates and high inflation, I mean, it doesn't get much, much worse than that. No wonder a lot of the guys are doing a runner from the country and trying to get work elsewhere. Now, talking to the uh, train crashes then, we had another train crash in Greece. There are massive riots going on in the capital at the moment. It's pretty nasty. I won't go into all the details of what happened, but 57 people died in that train crash. And this is just the initial number. They think there could be more because there's a lot of people missing. Basically, most of these people burned alive. They were trapped in these carriages. So obviously, the country is very upset and there are massive, massive riots at the moment. And the police being very heavy-handed with the protesters. They seem to be treating the rioters and the protesters in the same way. I don't know if that's a police tactic to just be heavy-handed with everyone to discourage it, but it doesn't seem to be working too well at the moment. It's making people more angry. A lot of the families and friends and other people are very upset about the situation, and rightly so. We're just seeing train crashes all the time. There was another chemical spill in the US this week as well. I mean, what is going on? Loads of fires burning down factories, <laughs> even egg factories. You know, highly explosive, flammable eggs just going up. I don't even know how many of these egg factories have burned down now. It's, uh, it's insane. But another one that's come out, we'll leave this one till last. Um, Matt Hancock from the UK, he was the health secretary during the COVID era. His messages, text messages, WhatsApp, I think they were hacked. Um, same with Boris Johnson. And it's pretty shocking, these messages that have been coming out. Um, Hancock, I just want to see some of the faces of people coming out of first class and into a premier in shoebox. He actually put that in a message. More than a week later, someone replied to, to something Matt said. Any idea how many people we locked up in hotels yesterday? Boris Johnson as well, describing a £10,000 fine on two people who broke quarantine rules as superb. Hold on, wasn't Boris one of those people that had a party during lockdown? Yeah, okay. One rule for the elite, one rule for everyone else. And then let's end with this really weird video. I don't know if you've seen it, but this is a strange one. So we've got all these birds, these blackbirds, just crashing to the ground, a lot of them killing themselves instantly. And the media picks it up on all these different channels. And the response is very weird. Perfectly calm when suddenly this happens. A flock of black birds swirl to the ground. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. Whatever the cause, it's pretty amazing. That it is. Whatever the cause, it's amazing. Oh yeah, it's amazing. All those lovely birds just um, nosediving to their death. Oh yeah, absolutely amazing. So that's all we've got time for today. Remember, if you want to watch the interview or watch or look at my stock course, my finance course, etc. Look at any of my stuff. The link is below in the description. And just want to say thanks for being a member here, for being a subscriber. Really appreciate you. Take care. God bless. I'll see you next week now.